The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Now her focus has shifted to alternative assets and more specifically retirement accounts. We're very happy to have Belinda here today to talk with us about her experiences as one of the first women on Wall Street and to provide some insights into where the leading growth sectors are and the investment opportunities that they offer. Welcome to the show today, Belinda. Well, good morning, Kelly, and thank you for having me today. Oh, absolutely. Now let's go back a little bit. I believe it was the 1960s, and you're a young woman, and you're starting your career. How did you find yourself working on Wall Street? And importantly, I think, uh, was your pioneering role for women a conscious one, or did it just unfold naturally? I I think it had to be divine providence that brought me there, (laughs) because it was a very unusual walk through a career which I had no intention of ever getting into. Uh, I was only 16 years old, went to college, and after one year, uh, my uncle and my mother probably questioned me as to where I was heading in Mm -hmm. the future. And he brought me into an introduction of Wall Street, and uh, my first job was with Standard & Poor's in New York. And I was fortunate enough to get into the research department. So I got my feet wet and became accustomed to a language and an an industry that was so dynamic and innovative uh, because of what you had to learn within a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. So that's where I actually became entrenched or baptized by fire. And literally, uh, I had some great mentors throughout the next 10 years who brought me along not only through the research part of the world, but of the trading Mm -hmm. and the compliance sectors. But it was very exciting, very innovative time of my life. So who were some of those mentors? Anybody that we might recognize? Uh, There's a gentleman by the name of Jerry Farber who actually ran the Farber Fund, but he was a senior partner for Edwards & Hanley, and it was... um, uh, a couple of others, uh, Barry Gordon and uh, another, Bill Gordon mm-hmm. also. He was a trader, a researcher, and he was very much in touch with the Alaskan Slope stocks at the time. And these men truly took me under their wing and educated me from the side of how you develop relationships, how you research stocks and bonds, 
but I think even more so was how to negotiate and understand how you would become successful in this realm. A couple of interesting things there. First of all, it's been well documented, lots of research and a number of books and articles written on the fact that women are, quite candidly, notoriously poor negotiators, and it's one of the reasons uh, for the wage gap, especially by the time they get to the end of their careers, because in their first job, unlike many of their male counterparts, they don't negotiate that starting salary to the extent that a male will, and it throughout their career, they're constantly playing catch-up. And so to learn uh, the negotiating part of things early on was probably a huge step forward for you. Without a doubt, so many women across America, unfortunately, are not provided with the confidence and the worth that they really can bring to the table. And without having... I believe someone who believes in you when you go into a career of any type, you must find and understand your talents in the very beginning. And I believe working on that, in other words, doing your utmost on the job. It's something when I was an institutional bond trader, I had no idea really where I was and what I was doing here. I was one of the first women to trade. Mm-hmm. But you begin to realize that if you do a very good job and you listen up and you learn from your colleagues that there is success, there can be personal success along with your career success. So it's understanding what your position is and gaining the confidence and the education and the knowledge. And that's what will draw you into the career path, and and by golly, everyone around you will see it and feel it and know it after a while. Well, you earn their respect. The second thing that I was going to say about your first comment was that so many women will say that men set them up to fail in some of these industries that are primarily male-dominated, but you had just the opposite experience. not saying it was easy, but you did you did the different things that showed that you were eager to learn, that you wanted to be credible, and you earned trust and respect as a result of that. And uh, people, people came to you and continued to help you towards those goals. Without a doubt, so many times women, unfortunately, go to the default card of gender. And mm-hmm. that's a mistake. That is a big mistake. And I say that because it's not an emotional decision that you make to achieve success or to be the best in your field. I believe you stay away from the gender card and you succeed far greater because men pick up on that. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's inevitable that you're going to have adversity no matter where you are in the workplace. But the best thing is to show how intelligent you are, the expertise that you carry, and the fact is that you're willing to learn every day. Absolutely. And I believe that that is the key to our moving ahead into the ranks of management and some position of authority. So, yes, so very great advice for women who are trying to start businesses or advance in predominantly male 
fields. And really, when it comes right down to it, in any field, it, that's just good advice for anyone to follow. And uh, appreciate you offering that today. So you are a trader, very heavily immersed in that world. But now your focus has shifted, and you're focused on alternative assets. What are alternative assets for some of our listeners who may not be familiar? Yes, uh, I believe Wall Street would refer to us as the stepchildren of the <laughs> asset sector. But what I think that they're really coming along and realizing that's where most of the returns on investment are actually being realized in people's portfolios. So as opposed to stocks and bonds, which are only two of the 27 asset sectors, we come upon alternative assets being recognized as real estate, Mm -hmm. and it could be commercial or residential. It could be domestic or international. And then there's private notes, uh, precious metals, intellectual property, tax liens, private equity projects, private businesses. Those are the asset sectors that are really becoming more mainstream because America is seeing the value that where Americans are bringing their portfolios right to the community. Right. In fact, one of your messages uh, that you deliver often is invest back in America. And, And what do you mean by that exactly? Well, I think for so long, Americans have heard that through their uh, financial advisors and Wall Street itself, that the message has been, we're a global economy. But I believe that the mindset of Americans have changed over the last five years, six years, since the credit crisis. And the focus is now spoken of with projects that are more within our own communities, whether it's senior housing, dormitory housing, uh, it's multifamily housing units. It's providing those places where we can put our money and we can see it grow. And I believe that that is what's transitioning within across the economic landscape. And it's very exciting because there's great returns there for people's private investment money. Most of our listeners today are independently independent business owners uh, in a variety of different industries. So when it comes to these alternative assets, is there any, aside from their own private business, is there any one particular alternative asset they should be looking at? I, and that's really a question of what do you feel comfortable with. Mm. If 70% of Americans own homes, that's the statistic. And so, obviously, if you can own a home, you understand real estate. And you're going to be able to answer the questions, where is the best investment for me? Is it in a medical building that's down the street? Or is it in a commercial building because you happen to work downtown in a major urban area? Or is it actually residential homes that you can fix and flip? I believe it's a matter of what you feel comfortable with and also what will provide you with the types of returns that you want for your investment portfolio. 
Sure. Just as with the stock market, are you somebody who's aggressive? Are you somebody who's a little more cautious? And I think that, that probably comes into play with any type of investment that you're looking at. Without a doubt. You've got to trust the people that you're working with, and we do really go out and encourage people to do team investing. So if you're trying to get into alternative assets, learn from your local real estate investment associations, and then there's major regional real estate investment associations that are uh, hosting phenomenal educational platforms. And I believe by creating these teams around you, it could be the person who's actually going out and choosing the project and then another person who's got the financial background and then someone else who has the legal or compliance guidelines for you. If you work with that kind of team, you will be successful. Sure. And it's no, yes, it's no different than what you did when you walked onto Wall Street and didn't know anything. You had to surround yourself by people who could teach you, that you could learn from. And, again, our audience is business owners today, and they have to do the same thing. They might be really good at building a widget, or they might be really good at offering a particular service, but they probably don't know a whole lot about all the legal aspects of their business or perhaps the accounting side or, or whatever it might be, or their mailroom, and they have to put good people around them that can help them. So it's a team approach, just like it is when you run your, your business. Um, so great advice there. Belinda, we're going to take a quick break so we can hear a word from our sponsor, Benedictine College. When we get back, I want to talk with you about self-directed IRAs. We're talking with Belinda Savage, who is one of the first women traders on Wall Street and is now involved in, very heavily involved in alternative assets for investment. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. You want real results. You want your efforts to count for something. And you don't have time to waste. We understand. That's why the Executive MBA program at Benedictine College is the program more than 400 alums say help them accelerate their careers and enhance their approach to management and leadership. You're ready immediately to contribute to your organization's success. We invite you to check out benedictine.edu slash EMBA to learn more about our program and what it has to offer. Your product outshines the competition, so why aren't you outselling them? You're meeting sales projections, but the bottom line just isn't what it should be. Technology is changing rapidly and impacting your ability to perform. Something needs to change, but you just can't put your finger on what. I'm Patrick Shore, your host at The Hut, where we tackle these and other issues. The Hut is a safe place where we can explore what it takes to not only stay in front of the competition, but make it irrelevant. So come on in, kick off your shoes, and join the conversation every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio Network. The Hut, your path to a stronger, thriving, profitable business. Would the real Obamacare please stand up? The No Politics Spend Free Zone for Healthcare and the Affordable Care Act. I'm your host, Alex Greenwood, and I'm joined every week by your federally certified Affordable Care Act specialist, Mr. Greg Howard. That's a mouthful. You said it, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about what we really do. What we really do is help people understand how the Affordable Care Act impacts them, their family, their business. We make it simple so that people can go on with their lives. Couldn't have said it better myself, and you'll find it every Friday at 1 p.m. on Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio at blogtalkradio.com. That's Would the Real Obamacare Please Stand Up, Fridays at 1. Hey, 
Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're visiting here this morning with Belinda Savage, one of the first 10 women traders on Wall Street. She's now involved in alternative assets as a means of investment. We were talking about real estate a little bit before we went to break. And Belinda, before we move over to the self-directed IRA discussion, I want to follow up with the real estate with one question. Okay, sometimes you hear about owning mortgage notes. Now, what is the advantage or disadvantage to owning mortgage notes versus actually owning the properties? What is, what is the difference there? Well, I just believe it's a, a matter of not having to deal with some of the more laborious parts of being a landlord. <laughs> so you're serving as a banker. And sure. people don't realize that they can stand in that place of truly becoming the bank and you have obviously a secured investment vehicle which is the note itself the mortgage note so that's the most insightful part of it is you're wanting you're choosing which side you're going to be investing you're going to be the bank or you're going to be the landlord okay so anybody who's interested in just doing the banking part of it can look into that without, as you say, having all the headaches of actually owning the property, keeping it up, and all the different things that go with that. Now, you are a proponent of self-directed IRAs, SDIRAs. What is a self-directed IRA? Well, as opposed to what Wall Street offers you in a broker-dealer relationship, they literally advise you and they sell you product that is listed on the exchanges or perhaps in NASDAQ, which is unlisted securities. But the most important thing to learn is that that's not all we should be incorporating into our investment portfolios. So Wall Street will not sell you real estate or private notes simply because it's not in their if you will, it's not on their menu. Mm-hmm. So therefore, in 1976, when Congress passed the ERISA law, what happened was that IRAs were launched, and the verbiage that came forth in the IRS code was that it didn't tell you what you could invest in. It told you what you cannot invest in, which were only two items and that being a life insurance policy or a collectible. But aside from that, you could invest in anything in the world, meaning real estate, private notes, and private projects. So with that came the self-directed world. And companies, there's only approximately 18 trust custodians in the country, whereby you come to the Switzerland of the financial world. So it's neutral. It's a very Mm -hmm. neutral base where you can actually bring your investment dollars from your retirement accounts and you place them on this platform, but then you get to choose where you want to target a particular asset. So you can place it into real estate or a private note, Mm -hmm. and the IRA actually grows with that investment. Okay, so... 
maybe this is a silly question, but can, is somebody there to help you along with this, like a broker helps you with your investments uh, with a regular IRA? Uh, does, does somebody make recommendations and uh, based on your comfort level and your goals? Or is that left, when you say self-directed, is this really all on you as the investor? Well, that's, it's an excellent question. Because trust custodians have this bank charter, there's two disclaimers we come forth with all the time. And the first is that we are not allowed to advise the client. Mm. But yet, we do educate American investors as to what the guidelines are, how they can perform within the alternative asset sector with their retirement accounts. So we do bring workshops to the marketplace, just like we did two weeks ago at the American Association of Private Lenders. Yes, great conference. conference. Yes. So uh, that's one part of it. The other part is that we do not sell the client anything, and yet it's through the encouragement of local real estate investment associations and investment clubs around the country, and people can Google those two. They're going to find that there's a lot of education, valued education, whereby speakers from the various sectors of the investment arena will come forth and educate you and bring you into the fold so that you begin to understand what is in front of you, what is available to you both on the local level and on the nationwide level in terms of projects you can get involved with. Okay. So... Let's say right now I've got a traditional IRA, and I'm listening to this radio show, and you have piqued my interest, and I'm I'm thinking about starting a self-directed IRA. Can I take the funds that are in my current 401K, for example, and use that to start a self-directed IRA? uh, I mean, are there penalties involved? How would that work? It's really kind of simple, Kelly. It's it's just as simple as actually starting an IRA, let's say, with a mutual fund like Fidelity or Vanguard, or perhaps you open up an account, an IRA account at a bank. The point is, regardless of what kind of retirement account it is, whether it's a 401K at a previous employer, whether it's a 403B because there's teachers and municipal workers, or a 457, in other words, all these numbers just refer to IRS code where it's stipulated what kind of retirement fund that is. And all of those can be brought over or rolled and transferred into the self-directed platform. Okay. And it's no penalty. It stays under the umbrella of being tax-deferred, and in the case of a Roth account, tax-exempt. So they all can be placed on the self-directed platform. It's just a matter of going to the documentation, which is only three pages, Hmm. and you can actually establish a new account within 24 hours. Okay, so this it sounds like for some people who who might uh, be interested that this could be a pretty good deal. But what I'm curious about is until I met you last week or two weeks ago at the conference, Belinda, I'd never heard of these types of IRAs, this type of an investment vehicle, and I, I don't think I'm probably that unusual. Why, why aren't they more popular? Why, why aren't they more part of mainstream mindset, I guess, when it comes to investments? 
Well, I think the major financial institutions in this country have done a very fine job of keeping us in the back room or keeping, maintaining our, our, I suppose they recognize us as being risky or it's just not in the mainstream, so why bring it up? And they kept it very, very quiet. And yet the licensed professionals within the financial world receive a very fine education before they become advisors in, as in Series 763 and a registered principal of Series 24. So you really have to discover or do some research to find out what is a self-directed IRA and imagine that the dollars, the advertising dollars, are really not in this sector, but they are, were up and coming. So within the last seven years, we went from having one alternative asset conference seminar to now having 12 to 14 a year. So it's catching on. Exactly, because yeah. the word's getting out. And don't forget, I believe it's a very significant uh, piece of information that in 2012, Americans withdrew a trillion dollars out of the mutual fund industry and placed it in cash because they don't have confidence in the market. Sure. And how is the fact that America is aging, and I, I can't remember the number, but it's an astronomical number of people who are going to be retiring over the next decade. How does all this play into that demographic shift? Well, there are 79 million baby boomers, and this all commenced as of two years ago in January, that 10,000 people a day are supposedly retiring. Uh, I would probably not put that figure out there right now because so many of those 79 million are having to go back to the workforce yes. or remain in the workforce right. in, in order to sustain their lifestyle. Uh, the, in, the investment quality of their portfolio has not had the returns that they're looking for so that they can say they have significant reserves in case of how they want to live for the future. So I'm going to say to you that the baby boomers are looking for answers in terms of restoring their retirement accounts or getting them back place where at least they're growing. And that's why they're looking for answers, and the alternative asset sector has that available to them. Uh, the the uh, private note right now pays 9%. Mm -hmm. uh, real estate fix and flips pay 12 to 15%. So that's very significant returns on a yearly basis. Absolutely. Day. Yeah. You know, Belinda, I know we could talk forever on this topic, and there is much still to learn. As you noted, there's, there are a lot more workshops that are taking place. The word is getting out. And if somebody wanted to talk with you after hearing you today, how would they get in touch with you? They could reach me on my cell phone, uh, 480 239 5539. Okay. And again, Belinda, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us about this very important topic because, as you say, with the demographic shift going on and with more Americans looking for ways to take back control of their investments, this could be a great alternative for them, and we appreciate you sharing your knowledge of this. Well, I certainly appreciate the time afforded me today, and I want to thank you very much, Kelly, for the great job you're doing.
Absolutely, our pleasure. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at www.ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Twitter at IThinkBigger or join our Facebook group at Thinking Bigger Business Media. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.